0: Hi, my name is Ben, and um, yeah, I'm a high school pastor here uh, at our church. Um, yeah, uh, just a little bit about me. I guess I um, I came to this this town in 2002 and went to Cal Poly, graduating 2007, Five years later, by the grace of God, and uh, and then I, and then the Lord opened doors for me to stay here. And so uh, I've been uh, really blessed to be part of this fellowship for some time and um, be involved in the high school since since I graduated college, and, and uh, so, yeah, I'm really honored to, to be here and get to share the word with you, and um, I'm excited to see what, you know, what God gives us this morning, and, and uh, yeah, it's kind of ironic, I'm, I'm teaching on a parable about hearing, and uh, I have like the worst hearing ever, and, uh, you know, especially if you have like a high squeaky voice, um, and you're a girl, then, you know, I don't hear you at all, and... Uh, <laughs> So I left my hearing aids at home intentionally because the kind of hearing that uh, we're going to look at this morning isn't uh, physical hearing, thank God, but it's, it's us hearing spiritually and hearing God, hearing God's voice. Um, he does speak verbally at times, and he's, he's done that to me once, and, um, but there's, for most of the time, God is speaking to us through his word, laying things on our heart. that, uh, that we, So my, my, my big desire this morning is that our hearts would hear. The hearts would hear God's word, and um, so we're going to look at this parable. I'm going to pray one more time, just for myself. Um, so join me in this prayer, and and uh, we'll get we'll get going. Oh God, we just we're so ex- excited and and uh, grace to be able to come to you, Lord. That we don't get to, that we don't have to stand far away from you, Lord. But we get to come into your presence right now, God, and that you've spoken to us, to your people, to your creation. To all those that bear your image, God, and you're calling us to come to you and to receive you, to know you, and have relationship, and Lord, you're calling us to go out from there. And so, God, I pray that this morning you would just prepare, like James said, the soils of our heart. God, let us just hear you. Let us hear your voice. And so, God, I pray that we would just really get a sense of how good you are and to the extent that you've gone so that we would hear you. And so, Jesus, thank you for this morning. I pray for um, just uh, ca- a calm spirit for myself, and I pray that you would just help uh, this congregation, Lord, be served by your word this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to be in the parable of the sower. Mark, picking up where uh, Brian left off last week. Uh, Mark chapter 4, if you want to grab your Bible. If you need a Bible, there's a a bunch on the wall over there, usually I just throw them, I should have done that this morning, that would have been really fun, but uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do in a high school group, and here you go, crack, you know, anyway, um, they're on the wall, I won't throw them at you, if you want one, grab it, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read this whole thing, we're reading 1 to 20, and then, um, yeah, we'll go from there, here we go. Mark chapter 4, again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat uh, in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. These are the ones uh, sown on rocky ground. They, um, sorry, I lost my place. Um, the ones who, they, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arise, on account of the word, immediately they fall, they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. And those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But these, but those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirty-fold, sixty-fold, and a hundred-fold. Okay, awesome. This is... Uh, the first of many parables, and really a, a parable about parables. A parable explaining this is why I speak in parables. This is what the, the intention of the parables and how they actually work in the hearts of the people. Um, and so really, what, the one thing I think that we need to first consider in this is that Jesus is, is what he's doing is he's using these parables to explain his kingdom, to explain kind of, uh, this is the, the kind of kingdom that I'm going to usher in that's different than every other kingdom. It's actually a kingdom that doesn't come by force and coercion and um, isn't uh, imposed upon people in in a way that is uh, forceful, but it's something that comes by hearing. It's actually an upside-down kingdom. And this threw off everybody that Jesus stepped, stepped foot and he spoke to. Everyone was expecting this, but instead got really the opposite. Um, For example, John the Baptist, he's preparing the way, stoked, you know, kind of a weirdo, but uh, he's doing his job and and preparing the way for Christ to come, talking about this kingdom, repent, the kingdom's at hand. I mean, he's doing his mission and then finds himself in jail and uh, ends up sending a messenger to Jesus saying, "Uh, Jesus, I, I know that you declared the what Isaiah, you know, what Isaiah said, and you took that upon yourself, and you said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and you've come to declare freedom for the captives, healing for the brokenhearted. I understand that. Why am I in jail right now? And shortly after that, he loses his head, right? Um, not even kidding. Uh, and so, so even John the Baptist, um, a follower of Christ, you know, the one who prepared the way for Christ, was very confused by the kind of kingdom that um, he, that Jesus was ushering in, so it wasn't necessarily a kingdom of force and power where He would step upon a throne, but it was exact opposite. Where it's a kingdom that came by listening, not so much declaring and forcing, but it's something where God's calling. When the masses came around Him, He said, "Okay, let's let's talk about this upside down kingdom, this kingdom that actually comes through your ears." And so He says at the very beginning of this parable, "Listen." listen. And so that's more encouraging for us today, is as we get into this, this parable, that we would listen and uh, hear what God has to say to us. And so um, one thing I want to jump to in the middle of this whole section, there's something very interesting, uh, starting at verse 10, uh, where, where Jesus kind of, he, he shares this parable from this boat, and, he, and maybe the parable kind of came a lot from him just sitting in, this, in the Sea of Galilee, most likely, and he's sharing this and looking around and seeing just people do everyday jobs and he maybe he pointed out and saw like oh look at a sower over there and from that he used a, a simple job to, to share an internal truth to share something that's, that would be very applicable to the people around him um and so he's look, sitting in a boat and it's funny he sits down and everyone's standing it'd be kind of fun if I just sat here and all y'all stood for 40 minutes or so but um anyway never mind uh and so, so Jesus is going to share this parable, and at the middle, he says something that I think could come across as very offensive and, and confusing. I mean, I've been chewing on this text for, for a while now, and uh, th- let me just read it again, verse 10. And when he was alone around him, those around him with the twelve, asked him about parables. And he said to them, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that quoting Isaiah, they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand. At least they, they should turn and be forgiven. So at, from first hearing this, it could sound like Jesus is saying, um, come in, come in little disciples. Uh, let t- I'm going to tell you guys the secret, and then I'm going to let you guys know in on, on our little clique, our little group here, and everyone outside will be confused, and then they can't be forgiven. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of sounds like, it's like, what? Jesus, really? Like, this is going to be our little thing? And, and we know that's not the case because shortly after, Jesus tells his disciples, what you have heard in secret declare on the rooftops, right? And he, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are few. Matthew 10 declares, or I'm sorry, not Matthew 24, that the gospel of the kingdom will go out to all nations. So this gospel of the kingdom is something that will go very public to every nation, tribe, and tongue, right? Everyone will hear about this gospel. But at this point, I think what has happened, Jesus has been speaking very plainly up to this point. And then in order to filter out, in order to really help people look at the, the place of their heart, he uses parables as a way to, to really just show who, who has the who's really seeking the wonder and the mystery of the gospel and who sees it as just foolishness. Um, what came to mind when I read this was the, the, the part where Jesus says, unless you become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom. And it, the parables, when you read them at first glance, it's almost like it can create this sense of like, that's boring, a sower, seed, you know, not interested. Or it can, if you're like a child, and you have that, that, that mentality of the child has, you can come to this and say that. And then it's interesting. It's so simple, but there's more there, and it creates a sense of wonder. So for the wise, they're just it away. Nah, not interested. But what it says in verse 10 is that a small group st- stood around and said, we want to know more, along with the disciples. So parables can have a hardening effect on some and can have an intriguing sense of wonder on others. Um, so how... How do you hear it? I'm, I don't know. Just something that we can consider. Are, you, are we bored by this? Are you bored by God's word? Or does it maybe lead you to say, man, there's what more is in this? What, what more can God speak to me in this word? Um, so I'm like going to feel like a camel. I need some water. Okay, hold on. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Lord. Um, okay. Now there's four soils that Jesus kind of uses to... Um, that are really kind of a, a sense of a test or, or maybe even a warning to our own hearts, okay? Um, these four soils, that, you know, we kind of, we're going to walk through them. And I'm not going to try to get too crazy on dissecting every little thing because it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm trying to teach something that Jesus already taught. You know, he, he said the parable and then explained it. And so I feel kind of inadequate and, you know, useless. But I think there's a, you know, let's just let Jesus teach us here and read it. It speaks for itself. That's what I'm trying to say. But I think we want to, there's something in here where Jesus wants us to really look at our own hearts and, and say, man, what, what, where is our heart this morning? How are we hearing? Are, we, are, are things just, you know, there's four different soils it gives to us. If you want to start with me, um, I'm going to start at uh, 14. The sower, as Jesus explains, the sower actually sows the word, sows the word of God. And those are the ones that are here along the path where the word is sown, and they hear, and Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is the first soil. It's a soil that's identified with um, in, in uh, Palestine at this time when they were sowing, and farmers would go out. There would be these narrow paths that they would walk along, and they would sow seeds, and uh, these were like the walking paths because they didn't have tractors and, and that kind of thing. So they would actually walk down the path and throw the seed. And so the walking path, as you can imagine, would be very hard. We have very hard clay. And these, the first kind of soil that is identified is this hard clay-like soil that wouldn't even allow the Word to penetrate the soil. And Jesus says some hearts are like this soil that are just hard. The Word comes and goes out, and people are actually hearing the Word, but it's, does not, it doesn't penetrate. It doesn't go deep at all. It has no root whatsoever. And so this is, what the interesting thing with this is that these are people that hear the word, maybe even consistently, maybe even are sitting at church consistently, but every week it's just in and out. Nothing is received. And this is nothing more than a strange hobby or some kind of duty or some kind of tradition. I mean, I mean, isn't this interesting that some people just go to church week after week or are involved in a ministry week after week, and they're probably like, why am I doing this? They don't care. They don't even, the, nothing ever comes in and out. I mean, nothing ever settles in their heart. It's because the, the heart is so hard that, that it's producing nothing. Are you sitting here, and this is just your... Your hobby, your friends go to church, so you go to church too. Man, if that's it, man, we're stoked you're here. But how are you listening? Are you more concerned about your sandwich you're going to have in a few hours than the word of God, the living bread that's being spoken to you? How are you listening? And what it says in the the way that Jesus explains this, he says that Satan actually comes like a bird and grabs that word and snatches it away. And what I think is even happening here, as Satan snatches away the truth of God, it gives him so much room to speak, to speak into our lives instead. Are you, are you hearing Satan this morning instead of God? I mean, that's a frightening thing to think about. Are we actually hearing uh, his voice rather than God's voice? I mean, for example, it could be something simple as telling, talking to yourself. You know, you work hard for your money. You deserve this and that. How dare anyone just want your money or your family want your money or, or your spouse. My spouse has so many issues and my girlfriend, she has so many issues. My wife has so many issues. She needs to fix herself. I think Satan's speaking to you. Or you look at someone else and say, oh, I'm better than them. Or maybe it's even in third person, someone saying, you're better than them. Do you ever hear these voices? Satan is speaking lies all the time. And we become numb to them. We or we just think, oh, it's just my conscience, whatever. No, Satan is speaking, friends, and we need to identify this because oftentimes when your heart has become so callous and so hard that you just become numb to God's word, and you're letting the lies of Satan come, and they never fulfill, they never satisfy because there's no root; There hasn't even a chance to go deep. I mean, I think the way that God, when God speaks to us in these issues, he calls the husbands to, write, to die to themselves, to lay yourself down as Christ laid himself down for his bride. And when you, th- when you look at other people and you see exalt yourself over them, you're not seeing people as God sees them, as God sees them created in his own image, image bearers of God. So which voice are we hearing this morning? Are we hearing God's voice or is Satan removing the word so that he might speak into our lives, our lives? So that's not the first soil um, that God gives, that God, you know, explains to us. The second one, um, verse uh, 16. And these are the ones, when they hear the word or so, uh, hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves." But endure for a while, and when the tribulation and persecution arise, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. Sorry, getting ahead of myself, sorry. These are the ones that sown among rocky ground. And my mom uh, actually sent me this fun video. Um, She's like, you should show this in the service, you know, uh, on Sunday. I'm like, oh, thanks, Mom. And I watched it, and it's like this... Picture of this jungle with all these boulders and this guy's throwing seed. I'm like, who sows in the jungle? Give me a <laughs> break. You know, and um, she's going to hear this and be, oh, I'm sorry. You know, anyway, but it was just really funny. We get this picture of a sower throwing seeds in like um, rocky, crazy terrain. You're like, what kind of sower is this? He's losing his mind, you know? And, um, but really what was happening here is there would be a, um, a bedrock underneath the soil. So when the sower would throw his seed, uh, there was actually just, just a little bit of soil, so it appeared to be good soil, but there would be these, these, these rocks, um, this bedrock underneath the soil that wouldn't allow the root um, to penetrate, wouldn't allow the seed to go deep. Um, and so really what this, this heart is, this soil is a shallow heart, a heart that is only, um, only purely emotional, purely just receiving things that, in joy and excitement, it says that it sprouts right up. It responds quickly to hearing the word. But there's no, there's no depth in this person's life, okay? Um, I see this as, as uh, really just an external ministry in someone's life, meaning that they could be very involved, uh, always in the public, always seeing, wow, that guy's faithful. Look at how much he does. He's at this Bible study, this home group, at church on Sunday, College ministry, boom, 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 boom. Very public. Everything can be seen. But is there an internal ministry? Is there a ministry that goes beyond the external? Are you actually able to to, uh, have your own time with the Lord? Like when no one else is around? Like um, when Jesus would actually take time and retreat and get away from his disciples, get away from the crowds and just just be with his Father. Okay, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus would make time for a personal ministry for his own soul. Isn't that interesting? And how much more? Do we need that? So do you have an internal ministry? Um, Luke makes an interesting point. You know, th- this, this parable is actually uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke is explained uh, three times. Um, and in, in Luke, they say, where we got it? Here we go. Luke 8, 6. I wrote this down. Um, it says, some, some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So It had no moisture. So not only was the root shallow, but there was no moisture, meaning you know, the root wasn't able to go deep enough to actually feed itself. Because when a seed, I'm going to get all biological on you here, uh, when the seed, I'm a scientist, by the way, would go into the ground, the, the seed has enough um, energy and, and enough life in itself to sustain itself for a short while. And that was part of the reason it was sprouted up. But after a while, that seed's roots need to be nourished and need to receive water. Right, this is not rocket science. Okay, and what, what I think might be being uh, inferred here is that so many, so many of us, I think, we find out these times when we're just thirsty and we're doing so much ministry But don't you ever feel that, like, angst? Like, gosh, I just don't have enough to continue to walk with God, to continue to be faithful. This is really hard. And what what came to mind when I was just studying this and chewing on this is that oftentimes throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is something that's referred to as being poured out on God's people. Listen listen to these verses. Um, Isaiah 44.3, For I will pour water on the thirsty land, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit uh, upon your offspring and my blessings upon your descendants. Romans 5.5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and has been given to us. So the Holy Spirit, I mean, we can talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is You know, instead of being baptized with water, now being baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is an interesting thing that Christians, I think, can get into this mindset and be uh, man, maybe a little fearful of letting the Spirit become our nourishment, become our, our strength. And in that fear, I think we tend to substitute the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, obviously, I you know, work with youth, and uh, I see a, a lot of times parents becoming practical Holy Spirits for their children. Um, go go to church, go to ministry. Have you been reading your Bible? I mean, it becomes like this voice that is in substitute for the Holy Spirit where that youth might not ever grow up learning to feed themselves. So the second that practical Holy Spirit is removed, so is the walk with Christ and they die. Um, A lot of times, too, is thinking, we come to face big, big decisions in our life and we're like, you know, seeking counsel, totally good, totally needed. We need that. But if you're only depending on what Pastor Brian has to say for your answer, boy, I, okay, I love Brian. I'm not saying anything wrong with his guidance. But if he is your practical Holy Spirit, man, you're going to get let down. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find that he's going to get busy, and he can't be there for everyone's needs. I mean, the staff at this church is very small, um, and everyone here can't actually meet the needs of all of you. But if we learn to actually seek the Spirit and seek His help and His counsel as it was meant to be on our own, there's a lot more of the Holy Spirit to go around than the staff at this church. Now, please hear me. I'm not, not in all saying that don't seek help and from the community here. We're a family. We want to help each other, minister to each other. But if, but if all of a sudden that, that thing is removed, and you find yourself empty and have nowhere to go, I think it's revealing something, that you have an unhealthy weight putting on a person. Um, Jesus, Jesus says this in John 6. I think I wrote it down. No, I didn't. Um, no, I didn't. I'll just read it. John 6. Here we go. I got a Bible in my hand. Let's go there. Right on. iPad. Yeah. Bible. Here we go. Jesus says, um... If the Spirit who gives, it is the Spirit who gives life. This is John 6, 63. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Also, Romans 8 says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's like all the time, right? Like, you ever feel like a mighty Christian? Like, no, I I don't. I feel, I feel like a man that's constantly being bombarded by life and sins and temptations and attitudes and short patience. Ask my wife, right? She, she's there. She sees it. But if all of a sudden, if I, I start to see life and my, my, my spiritual life as a Christian not being fueled by my flesh and my, go get him, Ben, but being fueled by the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. Wow, that changes everything. If you're a Christian, God is in you. How's that going? How are you doing with God in you? Whoa, really? Not even kidding. Listen, I have a verse for that. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the supernatural, the Holy Spirit sent from the Father to help us in our weakness is in me. God, there's hope for Ben Potter. You're thinking the same thing. This guy, there's hope for him. There's hope for you too. Let's encourage each other right now. Let's. Let's let the Spirit be poured upon us. And if you're not, you're not feeling, boy, ask, and you receive the Holy Spirit. Let's not be a church that's afraid or sees that as some Pentecostal thing. Oh, well, that's for them down the street. Weird. The Holy Spirit. We're about the Bible. You know, did you know the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible? Let's all be friends. Wow. I mean, I, I just... I guess I'm speaking out of personal testimony because there's times in my life where I kind of fear that, kind of fear like hearing about a miracle. Whoa, that sounds a little different. But then you think like, wow, this is something that should be normal to me or or something I should be excited about. Uh, Man, let's, Let's let the Spirit pour upon our lives. Let's let our lives be baptized. And if you, if you feel this out of that, let's pray today that the Spirit would baptize our lives with his power. That we might better serve Christ and live in, a, in a, in a I guess, a, a greater confidence than just the flesh. Because if that's all you have, you'll dry up. Um, I, I would love to talk about this for a long time, but we don't have that kind of time. And I can't read the clock, so ha, there you go. Um, I need a new prescription, I think. There's a lot going on here, but we'll, we'll make it. And so, um, I think that's all I have to say. The last thing I want to say on this soil is that it says that on account of tribulation and persecution, this soil was um, dried up, that the sun scorched it. Now, this is kind of interesting because the same sun that scorches this shallow root... And it dries up. It's the same sun that brings nutrients and life and growth to another soil. So your trials and persecution can have two two effects on you. It can actually grow you and actually refine you and challenge the idols in your life. Or it can can destroy you. And all of a sudden, when that idol is removed, you have nothing left to worship. You're actually empty-handed. Um, because your root goes so shallow. Um, is, is your root going deep this morning? Is there more to your life than just what's seen on the outside, but is the Spirit growing you deep? Are the trials in your life, the persecutions, the things that make life tough, um, actually growing your character, refining you, who you are? Or is it just an excuse for you to say, God, let me down? Because if that's what it is, you never wanted a savior. you just wanted a blesser. You just wanted someone to meet your need. You came into this church or into Christianity saying, "Oh, I have this issue, and when God fixes it, then I'll, then I'll, I'll serve Him." And, you, and your, your mentality is, God exists to meet my need, my want, my desire, since I know it's best for me. Right? Don't we have this attitude? I know I do that we come into into Christianity thinking that God is my little genie, my little fairy that sprinkles his pixie dust on my life, and everything's better now. That's not Christianity. Did you know that the same man who built his house upon the rock, he did it for a reason? He did it because the storm was coming, that life was going to get hard? So it wasn't like the guy that built his house on the sand, and got a storm hit him, and the guy that built it on a rock was just you know, Bluebird Day, man. They both got the storm. You gotta see this, guys. This is what Jesus is saying. Build your life upon Me. Let hear My word. Let your root go deep, so that when life comes, I when everything else is ripped away, I would be your greatest treasure. I will be the one that you would you should, when everything ripped your your eyes, your ears. You know, your your school, your health, your family. Whatever gets pulled away from your life. If all you have is me, is that going to be enough? It's really going to, going to reveal, your, your trials are really going to reveal what kind of character are you building your life on, yourself, your flesh, your own needs, or Christ and what he wants for you. Um, and again, this is, a, this is something we could just, the Bible is a slew of verses about, about trial and persecution. It's just, there's a slew there, and it's good for us. So please don't see that, seek, seek a Jesus that only gives you Sunny days. Please seek him in and out of season. Whatever the season of life God has you in, man, he wants to grow you. Um, okay. Um, yeah, there's, I, Hebrews 11 was something I wrote down. The this is a great, great chapter on, on a, a group that re, was refined, uh, that conquered kingdoms, received back their dead um, and by faith. All these things happen by faith, by faith, by faith. And then in the same paragraph, it says, and some were sawn in two. And some, the uh, skins of uh, sheep were sewn on their backs, thrown into the arenas to be a spectacle, an entertainment for the Romans. I mean, by faith, we, we receive both. So, there, like I said, there's a lot to be said in this. Um, so, yeah. Something good to consider. Our root's going deep. The third soil... The seeds that fell among the thorns. Seeds that fell among the thorns. Um, let's go back to Mark. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read it here real quickly if I can find it. Oh, I have a bookmark. Here we go. Um, 18. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this is a heart. You know, First, we see a hard heart. Second, we see a shallow heart. Thirdly, we see a heart that's divided, a heart that's dividing, that's sharing nutrients, that's sharing the, um, the, maybe the, even the, the nutrients in the soil. It's a conflicted heart, meaning that it's, this, is, this is a hard one for us to identify. I think the first two you can say, these people have not yet become true believers, the first two. But the third one is very tricky. It seems like it's a, a, possibly a believer that's sharing his worship or his, her worship with another thing. It's somebody that's saying God plus this equals my happiness, equals my religion, God plus my job, God plus my family, my girlfriend. And in the end of the day, it says the effect on this soil and on this plant that's trying to grow, it's choked. It's choked out. Are you feeling choked? Are you feeling, like, thirsty? Feeling like there's not enough to go around? Are you, I mean, easy example. Are you in, in some kind of relationship or some kind of job that you feel is just pulling you away from what you want with Christ? That your desires are split? That you... You, over the weekend, you might be in this, this group and experiencing these kind of things that are fun and enjoying. Your flesh says, yes, I like this. I desire this. And then on Sunday, you just come here and you're, you're like, ah, oh, I like this too, and I want this, and I want to change. And you just feel, you feel choked out. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be the bad things plus Jesus. What if it's the good things in our lives plus Jesus that are choking us out? What if it's our religion plus Jesus is choking us out? What I mean by that is this. What if we're adding to our, this religious act, method, duty, plus Christ equals my holiness, equals my satisfaction, where I feel good and God loves me? Now, this is what I mean by that, is that, when, when we say, when we, we have a mentality like this saying, if I obey God, then he loves me. I feel like the very, that's a very religious mentality where the gospel comes at the other angle and says God loves you, therefore you're going to want to obey. And you're going to change naturally, organically. I'm talking about soil here, organic, right? Well, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle that just flows out of first your love and devotion for Christ. Not, I'm doing this for God, and therefore he loves me. Okay, we have a great example of this um, found in Galatians. In Galatians, um, it was all, we went through this last year, and um, it was just, a, it's, a, it's a letter to this church who is conflicted, who is adding to their, their walk with God. They're a church that was predominantly Jewish, meaning that a lot of the, the Jewish customs and eating um, kosher and following these laws were now added to the gospel and it created this really confusing place where Paul came in and said, no, 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 this is a gospel of freedom. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not go back to the yoke of slavery. But we kind of like this. We kind of, for some reason, let these things creep into our lives as the apostle Peter did. There was a point where Peter actually was sitting down, having a barbecue, and I don't know if you remember this story. He's, he's eating with um, all his Gentile bros and sisters, and they're eating ribs, and, and uh, going at it. It's great, and uh, um, it, it's kind of like a farmer's market picture. That's what I picture. And then here come all his old Jewish homeboys walking down the street, and he sees them, in the corner of his eye, and he kind of freaks out, and... Retreats and pulls back from the Gentiles, and then all of a sudden, his friends are like, "What the heck, Peter? I thought we... Were, wait, what?" They're really confused because now all of a sudden Peter is embarrassed that he's eating ribs, pork ribs, not beef ribs, okay? And he's eating pork ribs with these Gentiles because the Jews had not yet uh, had not received that as something that's clean. And at this point in Peter's life, Peter had received a vision. From Jesus himself, Peter, wake up, kill, and eat. Do not declare and clean what I have declared clean. So Jesus has been releasing Peter from this, this law that had been, he's been living his life off of this, this mentality of, if I do these things, then God loves me. But the gospel says, no, 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 God loves you. Therefore, live a certain life. Live a life of holiness. So Peter was adding his holiness, and this is what Paul says um, to this, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter was choking out his own walk with God by adding to it a, 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 some, some sort of holiness, some sort of lifestyle that he felt was holy when when Paul simply says, no, Peter, be free, man. Enjoy and eat. And yet the gospel is of grace alone. You've been loved because you've been loved, not because of anything you've done. Isn't that mind-boggling? God loves us because he loves us? What? That's freeing. That means that I don't have to wear my duck shirt to church in order to be loved by God. I don't have to, to do a certain thing in order to be loved by God. I don't have to attend a certain amount of whatever in order to be loved by God, by grace alone. Some of us are offended right now because it can't be that simple. It can't be that easy, right? We like our holiness acts that we've created in ourselves. Um, I, I'd have to say, you, you, you're choking yourself out, drink from God alone. Drink from his word alone. Let this gospel set you free, not bind your heart amen. Can we say amen to that? Yes. Amen to that. Yes. Thank you. All right. A little forced. I'm sorry. Um, we say amen and then we are holy. No. Um, okay. Let's. We got, I don't even know what time it is. My clock is out of batteries up here. Somebody have a clock? Oh, there it is. It's hidden. Got it. We need to wrap this up. Um, hopefully that's fast. Um, okay. The last soil. We're going to wrap this up. Because according to this, I have three minutes, impossible to go. The last soil is a soil that receives the word, receives the word and produces fruit. This is different from every other soil. Every other soil had the appearance of foliage, it's getting there, but was choked out, divided, shallow, hard, nothing. But this soil, it doesn't say how fast it grew up or anything about how much fruit. Maybe there was just a little grape. I don't know. Um, it, this, is a, this is a plant that produced fruit, okay? And what it says is, but it produced a supernatural amount. So I take that back. It wasn't just one grape. It, it, it produced a supernatural amount. Now, I did a little bit of research on farming. I'm not a farmer. Uh, sometimes I wish I was. It's a simple life. But um, it, it is a, a normal amount of fruit would be about tenfold, okay? From, from what you, when you plant. But well, what it says here, this, this, this seed produced 30, 60, 100 fold. And what, no, what I noticed mostly out of this, what distinguishes from every other plant, is that this was a plant that's giving, that's pouring out of, that's, that's, that's not just about its own growth, but it's producing something that blesses others. Now, we're starting to sense and taste the seed of the kingdom, because Jesus says to his disciples, I'm giving you the secrets of the kingdom, of kingdom living, not a royal giant throne that that rules you like Romans do, but it's a kingdom that gives, that actually says listen instead of throwing it in your face. It calls on the listener. Now, I want us to think, why did God, out of all the ways that Jesus, sitting in this boat, said, I want to start this thing off with parables. I want to teach you about the kingdom of God. Why did he choose a seed? Isn't that just a little bit insignificant in our normal view? He chose a seed to say, this is what my kingdom is like, a little seed that goes out and is thrown everywhere. Because when you think about how does a seed actually do its work, a seed, in order to, to grow, it starts off insignificant But it's put into the ground. It's put into the ground. And as it's slowly but surely broken down, that seed dies. The seed dies in order to grow. Its weakness becomes powerful. Sound familiar? Jesus actually, he actually identifies with the seed um, in John. John 12. In the last, it says, the last hour of his death. They didn't necessarily mean the literal hour, but any time that Jesus mentioned the hour, he was referring to the hour that he was going to go to the cross and die, okay? The period of time that he would go and die. Listen to this. And Jesus answered them, "'The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit.'" Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So in other words, Jesus, the literal word of God, the word incarnate, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This seed, the word of God, literally, I think what Jesus is doing in John 12, he's picking up his own parable and saying, you know what? I'm actually the seed that's thrown among all the soils, I'm actually the one that's going to go, literally, go into the ground and die. And through my death, through you receiving my death, that will become life. So for all the soils that hear and listen, the seed goes in and it dies and releases this power. What Jesus says in John 12, if the seed does not die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I used to be a firefighter, well, kind of, believe it or not, and I worked in a forest, and I learned through my fire classes that if a seed um, that's in a pine cone, there was a certain type of seed that unless a fire came through the forest and burnt everything down, devastated the forest, that seed would never be released. I remember learning that, and I was like, that is brilliant. How cool is it that God has these analogies all around us of just The cross and his death and how he sacrifices himself in order to grow. I mean, and when those seeds are, uh, when the fire comes through, it releases the seeds in order to grow a forest. So this is what I'm saying here, is that the seed, when it comes, when we receive that seed of the word of God into our hearts, and we allow the death, not only the life, not only the example, but the death of Jesus, and we take that in and accept it and receive it into our own hearts, It creates in us growth and life and produces something supernatural. Now, this might be a long shot, but I think I see the Trinity at work in this text. Um, I think I see the Father sowing his own son, giving his own son to to, to the whole world, saying, anyone everywhere, receive me, hear me, listen to my son. He's a gift to you. Receive and then, Jesus going into the ground and rising on the third day, conquering sin and death, and then the Holy Spirit. It says it was by the power of the Holy Spirit He rose, and then the Spirit's giving fruit, that this, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at the beginning of His ministry, and, and anointed every work that He did, and then that same truth that Jesus is saying, whoever loves His life loses it, whoever hates His life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus is saying. I want you now to live this life. Pick up this, receive this seed, so that you might live a supernatural life of the kingdom, friends. This is not just talk, as Paul would say. We're not just talking it on Sunday morning, but when this book is open, when this this testimony of Christ and His kingdom is presented, this is something that empowers us. That is a living organism that carries life in it. And when we receive the death of Christ, it grows out of us. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing? Are you hearing this this morning? Are you hearing? Or are you just, is it just information? Or is it something living that's gone into your soul? So I want to invite the, the band to come up. Um, are they here? Yeah, there they are. And, and guys, I want, to, I want to challenge you as we consider this, are you actually seeing, is Christ to you something that just uh, pounds on your head, do this, do this, do this? Because I don't think you're interpreting what Jesus wanted you to hear. I think that the, with the gospel is something that comes to us gently and small and may seem insignificant, but man has so much potential to grow. Guys, are you, are you hearing this? Are you listening with your heart and is your soil receiving this? Now, I, I know... That there are rocks in our lives, that there are thorns in our lives, and we have hard hearts at times. I'm not, I'm not dumb, OK? I get that. But man, think about what Jesus promises us through the prophet Ezekiel, "I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." God, I am, I'm going to pray for us. And, uh, and also, I want you to think about this, too. We're going to have an opportunity for you guys to receive the a communion. Um, in other words, what has been called the Eucharist, which really means a gift for you. To take that and it, remembrance, remembrance of, of Jesus' broken body and his blood spilt out for you. He's given this for, for us to take and remember the cross this morning. And so I'm going to pray and um, we're going to worship and respond. And I invite you to, to partake. So God, we just uh, we love you. And we just invite you into our lives, into the soils of our lives. And God, if, if our soil is hard or conflicted or thorny, whatever it is, God, we I pray that you would just garden us and, and till that soil and prepare our hearts to receive you. And God, if our heart has never met you, we ask that you would remove the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, give us a new life. We love you, God, and we just thank you. For these promises that are for us and not against us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Jesus, you are so good to us, and we just commit this morning to you. I pray we would respond honestly right now. In Jesus' name, amen.